there are very few things in life like a soccer match in the final 15 or 20 minutes where one team desperately needs a goal and has reached the point where they're just throwing everything at it. And we had that occasion twice today. I mean, two double barrel, both games, massively important to determine who goes through. There are just, there's just nothing better in sports than those moments. Nothing. Agreed. Uh, This is the best kind of soccer because Soccer, the most the way we consume it is in league formats or it's in, okay, knockout in some sort of tournament. But to have group stage type of drama like this, two matches going on at the same time and their results are intertwined with each other, it's awesome. This is the World Cup After Dark podcast, usually say it, but this is when the World Cup gets after dark and you get into the best zone of soccer. Oh man, it was so good. And this is exactly what we said. That no matter how defensive, how anti-football you want to get, at some point, every single team is going to have to play. And that is what kind of makes you willing to sit through those first two match days where everybody is super cautious, super passive, because it gets to the point for everybody in this tournament where it's like, crap, we got to go score. And they throw everything on. And it just builds to this insane crescendo where everything happens all at once. And it's not like a knockout round game because those can peter out because you have the prospect of penalties, right? If the two teams are level, generally reticence takes over. But in the group stage, there's not that you can't fall back on, ah, we'll just take it to penalties and see what happens. You can't do that. You have to score to go through. That's what we saw today. And it was fantastic entertainment. It truly was. It was awesome awesome and we'll get into it uh i was just delighted delighted yeah. and i mean the the point of a lot of the soccer we talk about is that we're in this low event post analytic soccer this all gets thrown out the window when you get into zones like this it's yep. just chaos and there's there's no rules there's no ideas for how this should go and we saw that bear out today it was madness all right it's just- let's yeah, it's yeah. just throw everything you can, throw every player you have on, formations be damned, everything be damned, and try and score a goal. All right, let's start in Group C, which happens second, because we're going to talk about Argentina. As you can tell, I'm not hysterically depressed. I'm not terrible. Argentina got through. They got the job done. A 2-0 win for Argentina, and we're just going to mash everything together here, right? We're, we're not even going to talk about these two games as separate entities. Yeah, no, it's the same type of, yeah. yeah. And a 2-0 win for Mexico against, excuse me, a 2-1 win for Mexico against Saudi Arabia. A goal that mattered, but also didn't matter. And right. so those results mean that somehow, some way, this terrible Poland team that have done nothing against anybody that's Uh-oh. not Saudi Arabia go through the round of 16 alongside Argentina, who win the group. But admit the final like 20 to 25 minutes of these games, once Mexico started scoring against Saudi Arabia, and once Argentina kind of settled into their rhythm against Poland, was back and forth, double screed, just turning everywhere you look, waiting for the next goal to come in. And at the end, it never came for Mexico. Yeah, Mexico did really well to come out of the second half and put two. And it, uh, one more goal, and they would have been fine. And ah, they came so close. I don't know how many times they could have... And Saudi they, Arabia couldn't... They had two that got waved off for offside. Yeah. A head for an art offside trap was this time in the format of, 
I'm going down, but I'm taking you with me with my offside trap. And he sprung it twice, and Mexico scored, and it didn't count. The second one was pretty blatantly offside. It wasn't as much the offside trap. It's just the Mexico yeah. player getting offside. But the first one, where Henry Martin's backside is the only thing that's offside, that was a perfectly sprung offside trap. Hevernard strikes again. Yeah. And and Mexico had so many set pieces. They had so many free kicks in the danger zone between 30 and 20 yards from goal where you could score. Chavez had literally scored one, and he was close. Chucky Lozano was close. Ugh. And this just for Poland, we're talking about both games at the same time. I I don't know how you can get luckier. Yeah. Because, okay, the Saudi Arabia goal is what put them through on goal difference. But before that goal counted or scored, they were still going through on fair play points because of the less yellow cards. We're, we're going to put a pin in that. We'll come to that. Yeah, okay. But so they were going to get through because they survived this match against Argentina. Argentina put up 3.7 XG, including a penalty kick. So not only did they save a penalty kick, Argentina absolutely hammered them and scored two of the lower XG chances. And Mexico put up 2.5. And one of those goals they scored in those 2.5 was the Chavez free kick about as low as it gets. I just, that's like an incredible swing of variance in this crazy, crazy match to get through. They rewarded for losing 2-0, and they were happy about it. And, and okay, the job job done, sure, but like, oh, Poland are just not that good. And it's, it's well, I guess it's on Mexico. Two games, they've had two games in this tournament where they have provided absolutely nothing. Right against Mexico, they won a penalty and did not score it. Against Argentina, they did nothing going forward. Wojtek Szczesny was really good for Poland today in the first half specifically. He saved the Messi penalty. Let's be honest, that's not a penalty. Like it shouldn't be a penalty. Oh, it sh- shouldn't really be. There's contact with the face of Messi, but the ball is so far gone at that point. Like there's literally no way Messi can recover the ball. It's minimal contact. It's not violent. It's not intentional. That's not a penalty. Justice done on the penalty kick save, although I would have happily taken the penalty scored, and I was right. not feeling super great about it. Great penalty save. Chesney had some other good saves. It kind of had this feeling of, uh-oh, this goalie's getting hot. You don't want a hot goalie on the other end. And then Argentina smacked that down very early in the second half. Alexis McAllister with a actually pretty good finish that kind of looked garbage in, in real time. And then the more you looked at it, it was like, yeah, it was pretty well done. Argentina were good. Enzo Fernandez can't leave this Argentina 11 now that he's in it makes them so much better. Julian Alvarez was really good. I think he was a good choice for this game. Argentina don't really possess a a target, you know, big guy number nine in the traditional sense. And so putting putting Julian in the game and letting him link up and combine and kind of move was, I think, a good choice for this game. He ended up scoring a goal for Argentina. Argentina were really good. And I think putting the Saudi Arabia game aside – you feel about as good as them going in. I don't know if you feel necessarily as good as them as you did going into the World Cup. When you look at the draw and the round of 16, I think that compensates for any kind of uh, misgivings you might have about them. Agreed. They Yesterday we talked about the three tiers for them, and not only did they get the job done by getting through in first, which was the most important yep. level, but this was their best performance of their three games yep. by far. And Poland who are a round of 16, round of 16 team, which level or not, Poland is a solid European team and Argentina just battered them for 90 minutes, had their way, total control. And 
Fernandez makes things better because of his passing, his positioning, and it allows Tommy DePaul. Oh my God, I did it again. Rodrigo <laughs> DePaul to go higher up the pitch. I don't know where that's from. I'll have to think about it and I'll get to it on another podcast why it's that in my head. It allows Rodrigo DePaul to go higher up the pitch and orchestrate more on the right side. I can't even take you seriously. You just called him Tommy DePaul for the second podcast now. That's incredible. He no was much better today. Regardless yeah, of what you call him, he was significantly better. Argentina's front line was good. Angel Di Maria has kind of found this renaissance for Argentina where he's getting into really good spaces. I thought Marcus Acuna was probably Argentina's worst player today, had some poor decisions, uh, didn't finish very many chances that he had. And there was a moment when Di Maria was just like, all right, Acuna, you're done. I'm going to take over your spot as the last guy on the line on the left side so that these balls and chances come to me. And I thought that was a mature moment. Yeah, they they switched the sides because DePaul was dominating on the right side. So all the space was there. Di Maria was better. This was just very good for Argentina. Yeah. And I think this is them getting to the level that France and Brazil have shown, which is, okay, even if you're bunkered in, we know how to attack you and get our chances and also not give you anything the other way. Poland at no point were interested in going forward, but if they even tried, it was snuffed out immediately. This was just complete dominance from Argentina. Nicolas um, Otamendi, really good for Argentina again today. There were a couple, as you said, Poland were never interested in going forward and you never really had to worry about them. There were a couple moments that could have been tricky, kind of bouncing balls, one-on-one, one-on-two situations where Otamendi was really good in denying Lewandowski even a sniff. Totally. Um, do you want to talk about Mexico? Yeah, so let's get into Mexico. It's really funny, and and second straight podcast with a shout-out for friend of the podcast, Isaac Bushnell. But he made this point post-game that after the long, winding, twisting, up-down roller coaster ride that was this group, at the end of the day, regardless of what happened before, it came down to who could score more goals against Saudi Arabia. Mexico scored two. Poland scored two. Mexico needed one goal. Had they won this game 3-1 with a 2-0 result the other way for Poland, Mexico would have gone through on goals scored. Mexico were better today. They were incisive. They had a bit of a cutting edge, but they didn't have it when they needed it at the very end, and they fell one goal short. And I think more so than anything else, this wasn't necessarily a flaw in the performance today. It was a flaw in the missed opportunity against Poland in the first game. That's what I was going to say. There's two ways to look at it. And I think that's correct. You needed to do more in that game. I know you go draw, draw, win. And okay, you don't win against Argentina and draw, win, four points, same as Poland. So like, you just had to do more. And Tata showed when he sets his team up to attack, there is quality in there to do it. And they had the benefit of being able to attack Saudi Arabia with more reckless abandon. Like Poland put two past Saudi Arabia in a relatively controlled game state. And the second one was lucky. And they Poland weren't like treating that game. Like we must put three and Mexico had 30 minutes to throw it all towards three and they couldn't get it. So that's my sense of, okay, yes, Mexico should have done better against Poland. I agree with you. That's my take too. But at the same time, they had 30 minutes basically throwing the kitchen sink at Saudi Arabia and couldn't get it. And it was essentially unlucky. The two offside goals that we mentioned, how many free kicks, how many chances, the worst one, Saudi Arabia, one guy, his their outside back is dribbling back towards his own goal. And then he's like, oh, 
here's the ball, Irving Lozano. The and classic it's a, Saudi Arabian defensive moment, really. Yeah, and we, which is what we said would happen because they couldn't. That's what they, 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 it's what they do. And so it's a two-on-one, and the shot comes in. It's deflected in the box, and I just don't know how you don't score that. And, oh, I, I feel for Mexico. Yeah. They were unlucky, but also perhaps the lack of quality. And this is, like, really trolly. But boy, did they miss a player like Chicharito. Yeah. Boy, did they miss a player like Carlos Vela. And I know Raul Jimenez is a more than good striker. He's had his own injury issues, but he clearly in this tournament was not at a level to give them 90 minutes of good striker play a game. Otherwise he would have done it. And so the rest of the attackers just so desperately, it looked like Herving Lozano, Chucky Lozano needed help. Some yeah. guys to get on his chances, to give him to pass to, to combine with. Of course, they missed Tecatito, who was hurt before this tournament. But just imagine what more quality attackers would have done. And the goals themselves were a bit lucky. The set piece, I, I shouldn't say the set piece was lucky. The set piece was well worked. Um, but it's a set piece and a free kick. So, like, on open play, yeah. they sure they created two XG or whatever, but, like, Mexico did not score from open play like in this tournament and they're out. So like, that's a failure for the entire organization. And as you said too, this was, this is three games that the margins were this close. I'm, I'm gesturing tiny fingers, yeah. but it was also, this is the result of Tata building this team this way, their poor cycle and the bad vibes. And you know, I'm not blaming the vibes. Mexico gave it everything they had, but this is the result of all of those things. And yes, tomorrow, Tata out. Yeah, he's gone. He's gone tomorrow. I don't know if he's going to resign. I don't know if it's going to be mutual consent. I don't know if they're going to fire him, but yeah, he's not going to be Mexico manager anymore. Saudi Arabia, Amit, will leave this tournament with free Rolls Royces that they got for beating Argentina, a public holiday the day after the Argentina win. The tournament probably could have been more for them perhaps should have been more for them, but it's still a success because they beat Argentina. I think at the end of the day, their talent deficiencies came to bear in the last two games because this is something we talked about. When you're a bad team and you try to play out of the back, you will give the other team chances. And that's what they did in their two games. And they were lucky. We can look back now and definitively say it, but at the time still, they were lucky to beat Argentina on XG on the balance of play and it was an awesome win and it matters a lot for them psychologically take credit for that use it as a building block for the future but her Bernard won't be sticking around right that's not what he does yeah uh, with federation he's got another north african middle eastern team to lead to the 2026 world cup and he'll show up in a white shirt and he'll wow us yeah. all once again yeah so yes could they have done better with three po- after getting three points in their first three to get through sure but if you watch their last two games, it looks more and more like their first one was a fluke and that's more what to expect of them and credit to them. Like they tried things, they went yeah. for it and they had a chance entering this game. But the fact that this was a game that they could have won and been through and it never really looked all that close for them shows you about what their talent level was. And that's okay. You know, not yeah. every team can come into this tournament and get through. And did they have a moment? Sure. But, it's hard to say that they didn't deserve anything else or yeah, that they, it's, they deserved anything else. It's interesting because the approach here for Saudi Arabia was really always that they were 
going to need to win this game because Argentina was either going to have to win by four goals or struggle against Poland. So they had to come out and try and win this game. There were moments when they tried to do that. They got the goal at the end that turned out to be pretty much meaningless for all involved because Mexico was still just one goal away from going through. But yeah, I think I agree with you. This is a tournament that could have been better, but still, as far as expectations for Saudi Arabia when going into this tournament, I think they certainly exceeded those. They beat Argentina, and they were much more competitive against Poland and Mexico than I think, especially against Poland, than I think we we would have thought for them early on. Yesterday, Amit, I think we may have underestimated the complete lack of interest from France's B team. Well, and hang that, on, hang on. Yeah. Sure. I want to talk a little bit more about uh, these two sets of games. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. You had a – I think there was a fair play rant coming. Yeah. I don't have a rant. This is, a, this is not the podcast where Austin and I are going to discuss the merits of race in soccer because we are not equipped. But I want to ask you – I want wow. to ask you if you think that the fair play rule is racist. Wow. Heavy, loaded question. The most loaded question that has ever so, been asked. On so World so, Cup so here's, I'll follow that up. Yep. Studies have shown yep. um, from a decade ago that referees, white referees, give players who are not white more yellow cards. Yep. Okay. I, I buy that as a fact. Yep. Is it because of the way they play or do you think it's race? And if we don't have the answer to that question, that's okay. My next question is, should FIFA be using it as a tiebreaker? FIFA should not be using it as a tiebreaker. I think yellow cards in particular, because those are generally pretty subjective. I would be okay with a red card count being a final tiebreaker, because those are generally less subjective, particularly in the VAR era, where referees have a chance to review their decision, and it takes a lot to get a red card. And I will also add an addendum onto that. That at a World Cup where your whole bit is that all of the games are so freaking close, you know what you should do? You should rewrite the rule book and say if two teams are tied on everything, we're going to the closest stadium, we're meeting at the middle point, and we're having that penalty shootout. Because this isn't Russia. We don't have to traverse mountain ranges to do that. So that is my answer to your question. No fair play points should not decide who goes through. It decided it in 2018. It almost decided it again today. And on that... If your whole bit is that the World Cup is close together, let the teams decide it. I agree with you completely. Um, I don't want to answer that question. This isn't the podcast to do that. But I do think, um, think about the study and FIFA should should think about that and come up with a better way to settle their games. Okay. Um, We can talk about the other set of games. And to segue it in a better way, Australia were in a very similar situation to Saudi Arabia, and they were much better than Saudi Arabia, and it worked. Yep. Australia are the first team that had the advantage of playing for a draw to go through. We've seen two of them. We saw two of them yesterday fail, and Australia took the game, and they won, and they are through. And it was a lot nervier than expected because, as I alluded to earlier, France's B team had no interest in playing soccer today. They were put out on the pitch against a very amped up, very motivated Tunisia side. And France just kind of collectively looked around and was like, are we doing this? No, we're not doing this. And then eventually, when you start the B team and bench all of the good players, the only subs you can make are to bring on good players. 
they did that. And those good players were also not particularly interested in the game, but are still really, really good and made a difference for France. This was an incredible performance for Tunisia. It's a shame that it didn't result in them going through, but I feel better about it because it was Australia who went through in the end. And I think Australia certainly deserved it. And Denmark leave this tournament having showed very little. I will start there. I agree with all of those. Denmark, to me, is a big disappointment. On our very first uh, predictions podcast, we said, who are the dark horse? Maybe you're not buying. And I was more Uruguay than Denmark. And I think the thing with Denmark is they don't have game-breaking talent, it's particularly in the final third. Their best player is Christian Eriksen, and his ability is to hit passes. They needed someone to hit good crosses, to have good finishes, and they did not have that. And, you know, I don't need to do a referendum on their Euro 2020 run. It was what it was. But Denmark's biggest strength was always its set pieces. And in this game, they had all the time in the world to create something against Australia's back line, a team that France was able to slice and dice, put four on. Not even, not even remotely good chances. A few, a few. Cornelius. Yeah, was all really of the good bad. chances fell to Andres Cornelius, and he showed himself to be very bad. Like there were multiple chances at the very end of this game where it's like, dude, you just have to do better. You don't necessarily have to score, but you have to get it at least close to the goal. And he just didn't do that. And they completely lacked somebody to finish chances, and they generally lacked somebody to create chances. That's a really bad combination to have for a team when you're playing against the sides that they played against in this group. They are, to this point, and we'll see what Belgium have in store, what they cook up for us tomorrow, they are the disappointments of this World Cup because of how highly touted they were. They got played off the pitch in this group. They were not really close to going through, and they certainly would have, wouldn't have deserved it. And Australia, Amit, are, were good for their money. In all three games of this tournament, they came out with a game plan. They executed it. They got beat by a team that was severely better talented than them in France in the first game. And they bounced back from that. They took the game to Tunisia and they won. That was the key game. And today they played really well. They shut up shop well. They created chances. And they had an absolutely fantastic individual moment for Matthew Leckie to score their goal. Yeah. It's interesting that they have conceded the most XG through three games. But my point is, one, that's influenced by France. Yeah. They totally dominated Denmark and Tunisia. And it's a very useful point, the way we talk about XG. Context matters. Yeah. Australia were good value for getting out of this group. And you can't ignore that at the start of this tournament, they were a bottom three, maximum yes. bottom five team on talent. Just where their players, a lot of them came from Australia. A lot of them came from, not a lot, but the players Random that did leagues it. just around yeah. the world. Like, yeah. just, dude, like, Mitchell Duke is playing in the second division in Japan. Yeah. Harry Suter is playing in the second division in England. And, like, the know, majority of this team is just... Where their yeah. best player is in the Scottish Premier League, not yeah. even at the two best clubs there. So, like, this is a not a great, uh, not a great amount of talent, but the collection and the execution was good, and this is... Um, kind of the 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 roadmap to to winning with a team like this. They defended so well in two games, and their counter was very good. Their counterattacking goals, yes. all three of them, just textbook stuff. And yes, Matthew Lecky, it took great moment of brilliance, but it was awesome. They deserved it. Full credit to Australia, and they're not going to be uh, an easy matchup for the next round. Yeah, for Argentina, and I think it's really interesting. This group was insanely poised at the end. 
because there were moments, and we'll kind of shift into talking Tunisia here. There were moments where Denmark was pressing for a goal that would not have changed anything for them. They still would have needed another goal, but would have sent Tunisia through on the draw. And so it was this wild experience where you had Tunisian players crowded around the bench. All of the bench players are crowded around the phone, hoping Denmark can score. All of the players on the pitch are desperately attempting to make it so that France doesn't score. Tunisia attacked this game. They were well-deserving of their win. A super, super weird VAR moment in the 99th minute after we thought the game was over that ended up giving Tunisia the win. Imagine had that decided who was going through from this group. It's great that Tunisia won. I was pleasantly surprised with how they played today. They left it all out on the pitch, and you could see it from how dead they were by about the 80th minute. And when France subbed on their attackers, it was like, oh, Tunisia can't run more than 10 yards past their own box. They were just, like, standing there and hoofing it away and hoping France could do it. And, yes, France subbed on their good players who did good things, but Mbappe and Griezmann were not particularly interested in yeah. getting to their Did you Did gear. you ever want to know the answer to the question, can France's good players in second gear break down a ridiculously committed Tunisian backline? Today was the day for that question to be answered. Yeah, and the answer was... Yes, but not if it's disallowed by VAR. <laughs> yes, exactly. So what happened on this play? Uh, the ruling, so is the ruling that the, the header was unintentional from the Tunisian defender? Well, Because that's a patently insane ruling. So Griezmann is offsides when right. the first ball into the box is played. But he walks back from an offsides position and the header comes to him. So when the header comes to him, it doesn't matter that he's on he, he's on side. Right. He, of course it, it, it doesn't resets matter. play. It, it resets play and it comes to him and he scores. So by definition to call this an offsides goal, it means that that header must have not been intentional and they see it as an extension of the first pass, right? Yeah. Which it wasn't. No. It clearly went to him. He faced the ball square on and headed it forwards. This should not have been offsides. Yeah. I, I think it's was Griezmann offsides when the first ball was played? Yes. Is that the interpretation of the law? No. It's incor- it's simply incorrect. Yeah. Does it matter to any part of this group in the outcome? No. So, okay. So my theory, not theory, but like I think VAR just wanted to let Tunisia have a moment and that's what happened. <laughs> they knew they were done. They knew yeah. the other game was over. There was nothing Tunisia could do. I mean, I don't. I, don't, I mean, I don't think there's more to say. Like it's, it's. it's I weird. struggle to find an, an interpretation of this that's correct. Yeah, it's it's very weird because you can't make the claim that that was unintentional. It was very clearly a defender intentionally playing the ball. It would have been absolute heartbreak for Tunisia because they had defended and they had just put everything into this game. The goal from Wabi Kazri. Talk about individual efforts of brilliance. Insane goal. Just yeah. dribbled the entire Le- France Le- B back Le- line. Yeah. yeah. Oh, so good. Uh, and we had circled him. We were like, Tunisia yeah. got one guy that's got a lot of class and great for him. I mean, that'll be remembered as a, a great World Cup goal and it'll be an all-time Tunisian goal. Tunisia were unlucky. Uh, not unlucky, but uh, hard done. Uh, I think the hard part for them is that they scored relatively early and the issue was they needed draw. And so they needed that game to have stayed drawn for a long time, perhaps ended at draw, and yeah. then those two teams who drew were thinking Tunisia wouldn't score, and then they get a late goal. By scoring early, and then Australia scoring, 
they were tough. But what, what ended up working for them is that in the last 10 minutes or 12 minutes, it became clear that Denmark needed two. And to get the second, they needed they the, first. the first. Right. But time could have cut that short. And it was very clear Denmark were not getting a lot of chances. So all they needed was one. Yeah. The issue was Denmark didn't even get that. And yeah. that's why they were all watching, huddling, the bench was watching, and they must have been very mad at Denmark for not getting that one. Um, Australia so are you telling did... me that Andreas Cornelius will not be eating for free in Tunisia? No. No, he this, this, to me, for Tunisia, this comes down to what they did against Denmark and Australia. This was a fantastic performance for them today, but they needed to have done more in those first two yeah. games to make this performance worth them getting out of the group. I think Australia were good for their money to get out of the group because they won the two games that mattered. Tunisia drew against Denmark. They lost against Australia. It's great that they beat France. It's a fantastic result. But at the end of the day, that those were the games that they, they needed. Yeah, this is the difference between... Uh, Australia and Saudi Arabia to go back to this point yep. is that Saudi Arabia won the game against the hardest opponent, but then were much worse against the two other teams that they really needed to do better ends. Australia were bad not, or just simply outclassed by yep. the best opponent, but then had their game plan spot on. And I think were good value for their two wins uh, against those two teams. So anytime you get six points, it means you didn't have just one fluky performance. Yep. So they were good. And yes, Tunisia, to get out of this group, they needed to beat Australia. And they probably needed a goal against Denmark, which they didn't have. And again, on the balance of what we saw through three games, Tunisia didn't have enough goal scoring. And Australia yep. knew their knew their moments. So yep. it's crazy that Australia made it to the knockouts. They were one of the lowest yep. chances. But seeing what we saw, it... It it's all it's believe it, it happened. Of course, it's believable, but like I totally understand it, and it makes sense. Like Denmark, Denmark weren't good. Tunisia couldn't do it, and Australia were good enough, right? And that's I, uh, that's what can happen in three games. Can I interest you in a little Harry Suter FIFA team of the tournament talk? I saw that tweet that you're talking about. He's been awesome, yeah, right? Stone if, City uh, man. If Just it's insanely a, good at the back. If it's a World Cup where people are going to launch crosses in, yeah. and you have the guy that's the tallest, yeah. and he's very physically imposing, yeah, why not? Hey, look, Australia have put two shutouts against teams you wouldn't expect them to. He's been yeah. awesome. If if Australia do the unthinkable yeah. and get uh, advanced past Argentina, you can bet he will be. So. Yeah. Uh, do let's we want to talk about the the matchups that we've seen from these no, games or hold them for? Yeah, yeah the we'll next come time back. It comes I, around. Can I interest you in a USA Argentina quarterfinal at the FIFA World Cup? No, I've seen the USA play Argentina before <laughs> in competitive matches. And Copa America Centenario twenty sixteen. Anybody? Yeah, exactly. And uh, yeah, the US went toe to toe with England. But I think Argentina are not Garrett Southgate's England. Argentina would not passive. put put USA in the blunder. And yeah. I think uh, Serginio Dest and Anthony Robinson would have a time. But we'll see what happens. The US, yeah. anyone, who, anyone in America who was upset that they didn't get Poland or Saudi Arabia, don't count your chickens before they hatch. Yeah. Okay. Okay, cool. Yeah. Let's, let's shift into tomorrow. We've got two more groups set to finish up tomorrow. Group E and Group F. First up will be Group F. 
It's the last hurrah, Mitt. It's the final ride. Does Belgium have anything in them? Or are they going to be on their plane to the Belgian beaches? Are there beaches in Belgium? I think there's beaches in Belgium. You answer that question. I will let you know if there are beaches in Belgium. (laughs) I think we talked about this last time. Uh, Belgium, the vibes have been bad. The performances have been bad. They'd have to reverse both of them against a very disciplined, uh, very talented Croatian midfield. And then, as you saw, mentality warriors. So when one team is incredibly committed to playing together and then the other team looks like they all hate each other, we saw that Eden Hazard, Kevin De Bruyne, and Jan Vertonghen got into it in the locker room post game, And the quotes uh, were not exactly... Nice. Again, let's bring up some more quotes. Aiden Hazard said about Kevin De Bruyne, he's fully, he believes in the team. Would you have to say publicly that your best player believes in the team? We've gotten so far gone. And apparently the fight started. We don't know for sure. The fight started because Aiden Hazard was disgruntled with his center back's lack of pace. And all I can say is, Lay off my bands. It's not for Target and Alderweireld's fault that they're being counted on to do this. Um, also, apparently De Bruyne and Courtois haven't talked in forever, or so the rumblings in the media go. There's some personal <laughs> thing, but like, the vibes have just been so, so bad so for bad. this Belgian team. And on paper, I get it, right? Like, if Belgium beat Croatia and they get help from Canada against Morocco, they can go through and they could even still top this group. But there has just been so little in this tournament that would make you believe that that is going to happen. Right. And I think so far through the three days of Group 3 action that we've seen, perhaps outside of the Australia result, and even including that result, the stuff we've seen from the first two games has really borne out in the third game. Nobody's changed their narrative. Nobody has changed their narrative. Argentina got to the level we thought but yeah. like that it's all kind of gone the way we've thought i just really doubt that belgium can do it is it possible of course um i think it's going to take more fluke than you would expect from belgium croatia so yes it's possible they could get a golazo from kevin de bruyne they could get a crazy bounce a deflection these things happen but croatia are just suited to control this game from start to finish and um a draw helps Croatia, yeah? Yeah, a draw. So, let me let me pull up the, the situation factor here. Hang on, let me find it. Group F. So a, a draw for Croatia gives them five points. And so that would send them through because two teams can't get five points. Belgium would be on four. And then Morocco would have to avoid a heavy defeat against Canada to seal up second and could win the group with a win. So Croatia can play for the draw to secure going through. If they win, they would top the group, and they've just been the better team than Belgium, right? They have been. And, you know, it was one game that they, they did well against Canada, but I was impressed with Croatia's attack. They look yeah. well-organized. They look like they know how to put Belgium under pressure, or, or they put Canada under pressure. And, again, if Belgium play five in the back, which they will, I don't think Martinez will change that. Martinez has shown he's very stuck in his ideals, there should be a lot of space for the Belgian or for the Croatian midfield to just control the game. And it's hard to really seeing it going other way, barring some luck for Belgium or some crazy things happening. And even if Belgium take a lead at any point, sitting on it is just going to be very hard for them. Even if they're bunkered in Croatia are just that good. So 
we'll see. We'll see. Anything can happen. A public shout out to any of our listeners who may be located in Blackenburg, Belgium, or perhaps Dahan. Maybe you're located in Njoka Heist, Belgium. Just head out to the beach this weekend. And if you see Kevin De Bruyne, just snap a photo for us. Just make us happy. Show us that we were right. Yeah. The Belgian beaches that I found. There we Uh, go. Other game here, Morocco against Canada. Super interesting game. Canada are eliminated. They are the exact polar opposite of what we saw from Qatar. An eliminated team going into their third game. They have been good. They have created. They scored a goal. They should have done better against Belgium. They probably shouldn't have done better against Croatia, but they had moments. They come into this game playing with house money. There's nothing to lose for Canada. They're looking for a historic first win at a men's World Cup. Morocco have all of the pressure on them. It might matter what they do. It might not matter what they do. All of that depends on which Belgium shows up. This is a really interesting game, and I think I like Canada to win it. I think Canada are due for a win, given their attacking performances, so I like that. I also think that Morocco are well aware of the challenge that Canada present, and Morocco should pay attention to what Croatia and Belgium did by trying to lure Canada in. This is a very good opportunity for Morocco to change their style to the opponent and Mm -hmm. let Canada expose themselves in the back and hit them in transition with their two players. Play Canada's game and beat them at it. If Morocco continue, not play like Canada, but play the game that Canada wants to play. Canada's not going to play conservatively. There's no reason for them to play conservatively. Exactly. There's nothing to protect. They don't need a World Cup point. They want a World Cup win. Yeah, so take advantage of the space that that leaves them. If Morocco play the way they've been playing, which they're good at and perhaps better at Canada at, that's fine because they still have great talent, but you're just asking for more variance that could hurt you. So as you said, super interesting. I think this is, we'll see if Morocco kind of get it right. And then it matters, right? What's happening in the other game and their ability to adjust. So this is the interesting part of this. If Morocco draw or win, it doesn't matter what happens. They go through. If they lose, it will be out of their hands because Croatia have such a large advantage of goals scored because they put so many past Canada. If Croatia, if Morocco lose this game, they would then need Croatia to beat or tie against Belgium, right? Which is the likely outcome. Right. Morocco is only out if they lose. And Belgium wins because that would put them head-to-head tying with Croatia. But if we get to a point where Belgium take the lead against Croatia and look likely to hang on to that lead, that will change the equation for Morocco depending on where the game is at. If the game is drawn at that point, I think you'll see Morocco sit back and try to conserve their... Morocco don't care if they win the group. They don't care if they go... They want to get out of the group. That is the only thing that matters to them, and that has to be their motivation tomorrow. Agreed it's completely. It's it is interesting. Uh, it would be more fun for this game if Belgium are leading at some point. But I do think, given everything we just said, you will see a more conservative approach from Morocco. And look, they're, they're not going to completely park the bus against Canada. I'm not saying they should do that. But just be slightly more conservative and then be opportunistic in hitting Canada because Canada's back line is just not that good. Yep. Other group, Group E, another interesting proposition with interesting games. 
Spain sit on four points in first place with a plus seven goal differential. They will play Japan, who sit on three points in second place with an even goal differential. Japan are tied on points with Costa Rica, who have three points, but a minus six goal differential because they got beat by Spain by a lot. And Germany are in last place with one point and a minus one goal differential. This is super complicated, and there are a lot of moving parts in this group. I think let's talk about what we know for sure, right? Costa Rica will come into this game. If they win, they would go through, but they're going to play for the point, right? Their probably most likely scenario of getting out of this group is a miraculous point against Germany, Spain beat Japan, Costa Rica go through on four points. That's what they're going to attempt to do. Germany are going to attempt to not just beat Costa Rica, but do it by a lot of goals. Because there is a scenario where Germany win, but Japan beat Spain, and it comes down to goal differential between Germany and Spain. And we just said Spain have a plus seven goal differential. So Germany will probably go into this game with the first goal being win the game and the second goal being win the game by eight goals. That's not a great sign for Costa Rica and their plan to try and hold on for a point. Those are the things we know for sure. I think the Spain-Japan game is something that's super interesting. I don't think we'll see Spain rotate, right? Because they kind of already did that against Costa Rica. Japan will potentially be able to play for a point, but probably not. Because you would assume the most likely result is that Germany beats Costa Rica by multiple goals. And that would take them ahead of Japan on goal differential. So Japan have to play to win this game, most likely. That's really interesting. Yeah, it is really intriguing for all four managers. Least interesting is for Spain, who I think... Um, can can you explain the scenario? If Spain yeah. could somehow lose, what would that take? Spain lose, Germany win by probably eight goals if Spain lose by one. And so then Japan and Germany... Japan and Germany would go through in that yeah. scenario. Okay, in that sense, Spain can just roll out their same team and play Japan at what Japan is giving them. And if if it's looking like the score is getting lopsided in Costa Rica, and sure, when it gets to four, you could Luis Enrique can tell his team, hey guys, let's <laughs> we need to do something here. Right? I, sure. And if that happens, it's non zero that Germany could put all those right. goals past. Then they adjust. But okay. For Spain, least interesting. They're gonna go out and play their game. Japan most interesting. Yep. I think because they have to be very careful at going at Spain because Spain are just lethal with the ball. Spain are lethal on the counter, but they need the win. You have to assume. Yeah. And okay, if you look over and you see the draw from Costa Rica and they draw, are they okay on goal differential? Yes. So if Japan match Costa Rica's result, They'll go through because if they draw, unless Costa Rica beat Germany by eight goals, which is not going to happen considering they've had one shot on target in this World Cup. Right. So uh, Japan can play for the draw for as long as Costa Rica have the draw in their back pocket. Right. Might not so be very long. If for some reason that result is happening the way it is, Japan can think about bunkering in the second half and playing for a point, even though that's dangerous against Spain. I don't think that's I don't think that's their best strategy, but I do think Japan in the first half will not commit to going forward. They'll not want to be opened up. They'll want to get to halftime down a goal max because mm-hmm. then it gives them a chance. But I think if, you'll see them approach this game a lot like they approached the first game against Germany, right? Yes, yes. And 
then their ability to adjust is what matters. Because if Germany get out early, okay, we need to win, but we need to be selective about it. Yeah. For Germany, I mean, it's pretty simple. Batter Costa Rica. The question is, if we get Costa Rica versus Japan, but doing it against a better opponent, how hard does Germany have to labor? The question for you is, and for us is, is Costa Rica much more like Saudi in terms of their fluke result? Or are they much more like Australia? And that was a repeatable game plan. And obviously, yeah. I think we both think it's much more like Saudi Arabia. Yeah. And that getting put seven on you by a good team is not good vibes for when you play another good team. Yeah, I think it's... Costa Rica had their result and they had their moment. And I think they will approach this game with all of the intensity and the passion that they approached the Japan game. And they will attempt to defend. They will probably not go forward very much. They will hang on for as long as they can in this match. And look, Germany have been maybe a bit wasteful in finishing. They don't necessarily have that outright scoring threat that maybe other teams do. But at the end of the day, over 90 minutes, you back Germany to put multiple goals past Costa Rica. And they shouldn't have to labor very hard to do it. Correct. And we've been talking about, okay, through two games, the stuff we've seen has generally borne out in the third game. Germany, their problem has not been creating chances. Right. Um, They did that even against Spain. So I think they'd have to have the finishing day from your nightmares to not go through. And they kind of already had that against Japan. So it'd be very unlikely to see that happen again. And Yes, Costa Rica will be intense, but I just there's no way they can have their game style and just not bleed 2xG to Germany over the course of a match. Yeah. Germany could just walk into a 20-yard shot anytime they want. And yes. if they just did that every minute of the game, they would get there eventually. So I'm not saying that's what Germany's going to do, but Germany are not afraid to shoot, and they have the talent. And in all of these um, day three podcasts, the stuff that's most interesting to us is the style the approach to the game for the managers and you know what's going to happen but just player wise like germany germany's attacking talent is is too good musiala has been so good it's it's really hard to imagine costa rica getting past halftime yeah i mean there's a yeah yeah it's interesting because it's always interesting to see a team we said set up and play this way but come on we said this also about Australia. We both agreed. I listened back to yesterday. We both said, uh, we don't think Australia could do it against Denmark. But we did mention, okay, Australia has a repeatable plan of offensive strategy. Their counters have been good. You can't call what Costa Rica's goal was repeatable. Nope. And you can't call what Germany have done in two games close to what Denmark has done in two games. Denmark yeah. looked generally listless and had a set piece. And then that's what they were against Australia. Germany have looked very explosive and high volume minus the finishing. It's We're saying it's going to take a similarly bad day of finishing for this to be close. So anyways, I think all the pressure here is on Japan in these in these games. Germany's going to win. I don't think it'll be by eight, but it'll be comfortable. So Japan, can they get to the 60 or 70th minute and then go for a win? Yep. And, and they would ideally like to get to that point tied. But even if they're down a goal, they've shown. They scored two goals in the second half against Germany. Right. 
All right, another interesting day of final group stages coming tomorrow. We'll catch up with you at the end. Do you have one big thing that you want to close with? Anything? It's fine if you don't. I just sprung this on you out of nowhere. Good podcast planning. No, it's all good. VAR has reared its ugly head today. Uh, yeah, I, yeah, it's been pretty good. Like, generally fine. It gave a bad penalty to Ronaldo. I, the offside stuff is weird. I don't like how long just, it takes. Just to figure see. out how to present the image right away. Yeah. If we have the technology, let's get it faster. Yeah, like, I don't need, I don't really care about seeing the computer animated image with all the colors, right? Like, I just want to confirm that the dude was offside. Like, I'd like to, to do that first before yep. all that. It's taken too long to get that image. And then, yeah, that was just a really weird moment in the France game. And you feel like there's a weird, super consequential moment coming for somebody down the line. And it's just kind of a Russian roulette of who it's going to hit. Agreed. Modern soccer, baby. Gotta love it. All right. Thanks for listening, as always. We'll be back tomorrow. Catch up soon.